Hello, this is Oliver Braid. We're just fading out with the Pet Shop Boys there, in case you Okay, <laughs> technical problems. So, welcome to the Ellie and Oliver Show. Whoa, the new special limited edition Ellie and Oliver yeah, Show. Yeah, right, yeah. You Oliver's think you can fuck with something like that? What you mean, something? Broadcasting? Yeah, we are broadcasting. Yeah, okay. I just, I thought I'd, uh, we were just playing our, our other songs, like, <laughs> underneath. We haven't done this for a year and a half. Is it about a year and a half? I was thinking, is it about, is it 16 months? 15, 14 months? Well, the last one was Closures, which broadcast at the end of December 2012. Well, there is no closure seems <laughs> we're back again um i think i always knew it was going to happen what you always knew we'd be back i always knew that there'd be a new ellie and oliver show did you in a way almost definitely yes and actually ellie and oliver's long distance relationship as a topic or as a title has been something that's been in my brain probably the whole time since we stopped doing it I knew that there would come a time for reflection um but so I'm a bit worried that we're taking for granted that everybody would obviously know what the Ellie and Oliver show was um now you're the best at copy (laughs) so perhaps you could give a a brief (laughs) press friendly overview I'll I'll try my best I have to admit I just want to set the scene a little bit Mm -hmm. we're we sat in the flat that we used to share together. So we lived here for three and a half years um, from, I think it was October yeah. 2009. Yeah, it was. Till the thir- 4th of February last year. And in the final year of living here in Lansdowne Crescent, we decided. That why not just run a radio show and broadcast live from our living room every Friday afternoon at 12 o'clock. And we were both 100% dedicated to this task. Every Friday, without fail, we met up. We had a different topic of discussion. So we would choose a one-word theme. And if you look at the website, elianoliver.co.uk, you can listen back to all of those broadcasts. And there were some classics there, like... Certainties. I still think certainty is a great one. Is uh, it? I'm quite a fan of reputations. Obsessions. Obsessions, yeah, that's a classic. And then last, in the summer 2012, we went on residence to Edinburgh. So we broadcast fa- four shows from Edinburgh. Others, I seem to remember, being mm. a good one. What was the one with Bradley yeah, Wiggins popped up? Oh, I don't know. I oh, can't <laughs> remember many of the time. The thing is, I haven't actually listened to any. I know that you've listened to some of them back uh, since then. I've been resharing them on my Facebook, um, but haven't been able to listen to any of them. I did think that I would listen to them all last year on exactly the same date that we recorded them. Yeah. But when it came to it, I realised that not enough time had really passed in which I was sort of ready to just relive those things. Well, I, I listened to them because I had them all on my phone, like, alongside my music. And then if I had it on shuffle... Every now and again, one would pop on and just surprise me. 
And I would I would listen to it. I'd really enjoy listening to it. But I guess one of the overwhelming feelings, <laughs> just dropping <laughs> specs on the floor, is sadness. I suppose sadness that we don't have that anymore. And the I guess one of the things that is much more present for me because I still live in the flat. And I guess this this feeds on to one of the first things we want to talk about, which was like the aftermath of the Alien <laughs> Oliver show, I suppose. And you left the flat and I stayed here. And maybe you, maybe you want to explain what journey you went on from the 4th of February onwards. Um yeah okay so maybe um so uh it was it was quite a bit of a mental weekend my last weekend because I had an exhibition that closed on the Saturday night had to deinstall that exhibition go for a goodbye meal to a world buffet on Socky Hall Street uh where if you remember one woman was carted out in an ambulance <laughs> on a, an oxygen <laughs> mask or something um and then the next morning I think I had about three hours to pack up my entire life, get it in a van and move it all to the studio. And then, oh, and then I stayed here for one last night and then I got on a plane, flew to Heathrow, sat in Heathrow for about five hours. I ate so much. I had so much money in my bank account that I just couldn't stop myself. I had like a £10 Mexican meal that should have cost probably about £3. I had two Starbucks, at dif- different Starbucks at different parts of Heathrow, just wandering around yeah uh and then more importantly then i went to france uh for three months and lived in sunny marseille in a beautiful flat where i began to sort of reconnect (laughs) with the world Wow! and um i suppose one of my first kind of realizations that i wasn't at lansdowne crescent anymore was when one night I was doing my washing up and Sean Alain, who was the French artist that I was staying with, he said, you know, you don't have to wash up after every time you eat. You can leave it if you want to do something else. And I thought, no way, man. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, then started the the washing up started piling up and I began to sort of beca- unwind a little bit. <laughs> It's quite, I guess, a stark difference from my experience. I remember, w- I remember waving you off in the car when you left. I think it was raining. Wouldn't surprise me. No. <laughs> and I shed a tear. Oh. As I saw you, like, drive around the corner. <laughs> I did. A tear came to my eye, and. I knew that was the end of an era, and I guess, like, for those three months that you were away, I mean, I missed you so much, like, that February. Like, when I was just just thinking back to that February, like, I was so unhappy (laughs) just being in this flat on my own, and... I remember, because I had all of these plans about what I wanted to do with the flat after you left, like, after I made it mine, I suppose, Mm. and, like, all of this DIY lists of things, improvements. I mean, I did them all. I just threw myself into that. But 
I and uh, I guess I was looking for these notes that I'd written in my notebook around that time. I couldn't find them, but I really clearly remember, like, in my head, thinking, ah, oh, like everything will be calm once Oliver's gone. Like everything, you know, this is what I want. This is what I'm striving towards. Like I'm striving towards this point where, like, I've just tidied away all my friends. Like I've tidied away, like all of the uncertainty if you like like this is my way of coping with life is to be able to walk back through the front door and know that I'm going back into a situation that's exactly how I left it like mm. that no that nobody would have disturbed it in any way but that's a completely soulless existence and it's it like it is living in a bubble like i'm living in a bubble here now on my own a big white bubble a big white lonely bubble oh like and what's so ridiculous about all those like home improvements and diy things that i did to occupy myself is i reorganized the flat in a way so that nobody else could live here <laughs> like there's only one bed now i mean unless they were my partner obviously mm. which is probably like the ideal <laughs> solution <laughs> that i'm striving towards but um it's not like i could get a new lodger in i've reorganized it i've expanded the ellie harrison corporation yeah you have to take over the existing space so I'm still coming to terms with it, really. Yeah, I mean, I think there are still times... I mean, one of the things that has definitely um, stayed with me is, like, um, the sound of slamming doors or the sound of people coming in, and I feel a bit like, oh, shit, I hope I haven't done something bad. But then I realise, like, actually, I don't have to worry about that anymore. And that's quite nice. But I don't want it to be about saying like, oh yeah, I just escaped and that was that was fine. I mean, there's obviously things that I miss about being here. But um, at the moment, I do sort of feel like I'm still kind of unwinding or coming down from that kind of situation. Because obviously I really wasn't prepared for the sort of regimented experience, you know, or I wasn't very good. I thought I was good at it because I thought I was good at being very passive. But actually, eventually, and I think definitely in the last couple of months of the Ellie and Oliver show, there was this feeling of that I wasn't being so passive anymore, that I was being a bit more assertive in the way that I felt about the situation but also because we knew that it was coming to an end um but you know it's not like I moved out and we never spoke to each other again it did feel a little bit like that though for me I mean because obviously you went and did this really amazing experience you went to France like and had this really amazing like life-changing experience and I was I mean, the w we communicated. We didn't email each other. Like, we did reduce our communication a huge amount. I wrote you three letters. Was it three letters? Yeah, you wrote me three letters. I wrote you one each month. I really remember writing those letters. Um, and I guess I maybe I even wrote some of that stuff 
like that I just explained to you in the letters yeah. right now. Like like um and I, I guess those three months I was building up to this point when you were coming back, like I knew you weren't coming back to my flat, but I was just really looking forward to having my friend back. And I was really looking forward to having my friend back in a way where we could be friends without the tension that's caused by living together. Yeah. Where we could have a, you know, really beautiful friendship where we wouldn't have those, like, have to have those confrontations. And that's why I said, like, I'm still coming to terms with it now because it was when you when you got back and I guess I realised that us having lived together had been the thing that held us together and that I actually needed you a lot more than you needed me. I think t- the living together in a way was the thing that held us together towards the end. But I think at the beginning of our relationship, it, it wasn't and it, it didn't have to be. It was just that living together towards the end was the only thing yeah, that would have that would have kept us sort of in contact. And I really needed that space and that time. And I did feel bad when you were sending those letters. But at the same time, an interest of self-preservation, it's like... I don't know whether then was really the right time for me to be able to just go straight back into dealing with like writing letters and stuff. I did feel like I really needed a long time because I think like I was like, yeah, I mean, I did want to go, you know, and I was thinking like about when I I used to write a diary. I don't anymore. Well, I do keep a diary every day, but I only write any work thoughts now. I never write any personal thoughts in it. Um but I remember at the time when I did used to keep a diary where I wrote personal thoughts and I lived here, there, there, there would be times where I'd be like, I've got to get out of here, I've got to get out of here, this is really like not good for either of us. Um, but simultaneously and kind of selfishly on my behalf, because I'm obviously poor as a mouse always, it's not like I'm in that much control of my destiny, do you know what I mean? Like I can't, I couldn't just up and leave because I couldn't afford to do that, so you sort of, when you're in that kind of financial situation, obviously you just have to wait until things arise. But I think in terms of the relationship afterwards, it was that, and the same reason that I wasn't listening to the radio shows, I really genuinely felt like we needed a significant amount of time. And it wouldn't be like, you know, it's foolish of me to think that I would go away and then come back, like in a film, that, you know, like a certain amount of time like would the, the the amount of time that would be right would be designated by the time that I went away. It's not really like that. It's like actually you have to really just begin to feel very differently again. I mean I think also it's 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 worth saying as well that kind of around that period of time I was sort of um you know, or I, I'd made some other friends in Glasgow as well that had quite a like a relaxed attitude towards things and so like I mean, that seemed quite attractive for the first time, you know, like not really having so much pressure. And I mean, obvi- obviously the other thing um, that happened in France kind of accidentally was that I developed like quite a heavy sort of drug habit, <laughs> should we say, a re- well, a very heavy cannabis habit, um, you know, and so I was really very uh, mentally very isolated from everybody, and all I really wanted to do was read and smoke and eat pizzas. 
um, like I really withdrew from the world mm. and that's even when I was in France people were saying to me even the people who ran the residency they were like yeah you've really treated this residency like a monk like you've just come here and I really literally did spend three months in my bedroom it's not like I w- well I did go out in France and I did see some stuff when I needed to and out of obligation you know feeling that you should but mostly I would have been more than happy to have sat in a room and read yeah I mean when I look at kind of what happened to you after you left (laughs) and like you said you got these new friends that were more chilled out I just can't help but look back on the way I treated you really critically and think well I pushed you away like the power relationship like I remember that argument we had like or several arguments we had where it wasn't just you writing in your notebook, I've got to get out of here, I've got to get out of here. I was threatening you and threatening you, you're going to leave, you've got to leave my fucking flat. Like, saying it's my flat and I own it and you've got to get out. Like, and using that power and just realising how sadistic that is and how cruel that is to use this economic advantage that I have just to get my way or to get this nasty little thing that's irritating me out of my life and I just I look back on that and I think that was so wrong and because you're in a position where you kind of had to play nice to me and you kind of had to sort of keep me sweet as you would say like to so that I wouldn't throw you out and then it was almost like when you didn't have to do that anymore when you were free well actually you're like fuck that bitch I'm not gonna bother with her anymore and I was like fuck how horrible was I and I've only got myself to blame like I've only got myself well I think it is difficult though because I think that as a person I was very different you know when we first met I was much more passive I think and much more sort of pro this idea of like letting people um or like allowing people to have their own way and actually trying to be okay with that because at the time I was still reading from these kind of lessons of sort of this kind of Quentin Crisp approach to life this very kind of allotoric sort of indifferent sort of approach and there's only really been recently that I've sort of I suppose like been more interested in the idea of like being a bit more withdrawn being a bit harder but I think that also comes from moving out from you because I don't have you to do the unpleasant bits of life anymore like deal with bills or deal with like I guess when we've uh, been working together and we've had to deal with business it would be like it would be you that dealt with the kind of the harder business side of things <laughs> and um and now I've had oh, I guess it's like it's sort of a, a little bit like when a when someone leaves a marriage when a woman leaves a marriage and she has to learn how to deal with all this stuff uh, sorry or it could be the other way around don't want to be a massive <laughs> sexist but it's also slightly like when um a child leaves to go to university for the first time and as if they've lived in a certain type of household then obviously they just go mental because they can do like you know for me just being able to wake up in the morning smoke a spliff at like nine in the morning just read a book all day and not think about anyone disturbing me or anyone telling me that I couldn't do that you know it's very seductive but it's taken me about a year to realize that just because it's doable it doesn't mean that it has to be done all the time yeah but it's interesting, actually, because obviously I had, uh, from time to time, a no-smoking policy in the flat. 
But one of the things that I started to do in a mm. really perverse way after you left was just smoke loads of cigs. And like just because I could, I was smoking in the flat just because I knew and just because there wasn't somebody watching me and just because, I mean, I did still, that was my only vice, really. It wasn't like I was drinking loads of vodka all the time <laughs> or anything, but I just went into it in much bigger way than I have like in the last decade or so. I could get up, I could smoke here, I would open the window. I remember so many occasions last summer, like just gazing out the window and just smoking. I would I was doing it doing it every day, like just because I could and just because yeah. I was free. But freedom comes at a price, yeah, I suppose. Uh, yeah, it, it it does. It does well, quite a high price for me. I've spent an awful lot of money in the last year by accident. <laughs> Listen, Ellie, I'm wondering whether we should have a song. I think we should. Um, I've chosen... This is my choice. We should say that it was Ellie's choice of song first, although anyone who listens to the Ellie and Oliver show, I think they'll already know that. Uh, I've chosen a song uh, by Diane Ford uh, because this was like... This was a band that I was listening or began to listen to really just at the time that I moved out. And um, I guess, yeah, this is... Should we play it? Yeah. Yeah, what right that? You think you can fuck with something like dust? Yeah, what you mean, something like dust? Yeah, that's buff. Kelani, do that thing. Get the 
to make it drop. say a massive thank you to short legs who whipped up those jingles thanks short legs and thanks to emily chapel mm. our long-term illustrator for making the new beautiful illustrations exactly no without those two these shows would not have the unique well, identity yeah. They're a core part of the ellie and oliver team i think <laughs> Exactly. So we are going to be doing the second part of this special edition of um, Ellie and Oliver shows next Saturday at 12 o'clock from the East End. From the East End. Oh, Glasgow. From Oliver's new flat. Um, And I guess we'll talk more about that next week. But this week, because we're sat in my flat now, which was our former residence together... Um, we're focusing on this rather <laughs> austere white cube, um, which I call my home. But I wanted to talk, I suppose, a bit more about money. Before, <laughs> <laughs> before I was actually almost crying when I was talking about that February that after you'd left, like it was all coming back to me with that like really intense emotion. Um, but a good way to shut out all emotion is just to look at things from a financial perspective. Yeah, and lovely. <laughs> I, w- one thing that's... When you told me you were going to move out, which I guess was sort of o- autumn? Yeah, it was October. We, w- we announced it on the show, actually, yeah. in Developments, which Development. was one of the shows we did as part of Glasgow in 2012. Um, was it the first Glasgow show, the first edition of Friendship Festival that we decided to disband? It was one of <laughs> it was one of the Friendship Festival um, shows I remember. <laughs> but um, so I was, I guess I I had a few months to decide what I was going to do, and <coughs> I was really fortunate that in December I got a proper job. It was it was thirteenth of December that I went for my interview and was and got my uh, permanent post as a lecturer in contemporary art practices at Duncan O'Jordan's <laughs> College of Art and Design. Um, so that came along at the r- at the right time because it meant that I actually had financial stability for the first time in. 
About ever, actually. Wow, a true independent <laughs> woman. Well, it was the first time I've ever had a salary where you actually get paid every single month without fail. That is lovely, isn't it? It's insane. And I, I so what what it meant was that actually I didn't have to advertise to get a new lodger. Like there wasn't anybody. Actually, there was somebody who was meant to be moving in, but that all um, ended in tears. Um, <laughs> and but. Despite that, it, ma- it you know I didn't have any pressure, and I read this really interesting article because obviously I've been reflecting over the last year, being on my own, a lot about being on my own, and I read this really interesting article um, by Aditi Chakraborty. He writes in the in the Guardian. He writes like kind of like he he, he writes like economic commentary, but just in a really amazing way. And he was writing about loneliness. And how loneliness is like an inevitable consequence of this economic system, which um, puts such a great emphasis on individualism and financial independence Mm. and success. And actually, if you're a successful person who can afford your own luxury apartment and don't don't need to slum it with a lodger or somebody that you don't really get on with yeah this is one thing that i was thinking about but the pinnacle of it's like the private island right exactly i mean that's yeah get yourself a private island and and this is this is the thing that i've been that i've really been wrestling with it's at that point where i had the decision whether or not to get a new flatmate and I was weighing up the pros and cons those the pros of I guess there was something about not having to deal with social situations not having to deal with a human being another human being being present Mm. that slightly you know, just that will make my life easier. That will make my life that little bit easier. So I'll go for that option. But of course, as we talked about before we went on air, you lose so much of what it actually means to be a human being when you don't engage with other human beings. Yeah, I think like the money situation is strange because, you know, as I said before, like... I was always the poor one. Well, and I still am, obviously. Um, but when we were sort of together, that was a, a, different compared to, like, I guess these these the other friends that I made or, like, the majority of other people that I'm friends with are in a very similar sort of financial boat to me. So there's... A, yeah, I mean... It does seem to make things a bit easier in some ways when people are all in the same financial situation as you because then you all sort of pull things together, right? And and it's not so well, maybe you do need each other. In a, but that makes it sound very dark, actually, doesn't it? You all club together just because you all need each other's money or each, o- each other's help. But I don't know if it's about that, but it's it's less about one person holding certain cards. You know, one person doesn't have all the money and then someone else has to you know, keep them sweet to keep a flow or whatever. But when we lived here together, like, before I got my job, we did have similar um, income. So, like, 
it mm. was i mean i mean i guess because i'm such a evil capitalist i <laughs> i'm just much better at like watching Money. my outgoings i know but i was thinking about this on the way over here ellie and i think that the only real way to respond to the kind of general economic situation that we're in at the moment is instead of getting tighter and tighter is actually to get looser and looser <laughs> just rinse all the money you can possibly get your hands on because everyone's i mean that's a beautiful situation if everybody's in the same boat I mean, to go back to a Quentin Crispism, which I've tried to disavow in the last couple of years, but, you know, he would say it's always better to be in the same boat, even if it's one that's sinking. Um, so, yeah, I mean, because if we all spend all the money that isn't ours anyway, and we all get thrown into prison, at least we'll all be in prison together, and then prison won't be such a rough place, you know, because it'll just be like the whole of society will be in there. Well, that, I mean, uh, there, there is an argument, like, for this sort of debt cycle that, um, that we're in, like consumer debt fueled consumerism that at a certain point it's going to get so absurd that we'll have to just wipe the slate clean yeah. let's hope <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's hope that happens well, i mean you'll be laughing there'll be me who've been saving my pennies like like over the last i know they'll, be t they'll take all your money to make sure they can wipe the slate clean they'll probably just pull everybody's money one day without telling them it'll be like when they introduce the poll tax in scotland they'll just take it off you without even asking and then you'll just have to deal with it. Yeah. You'll go to the bank and say, where is that money? And they'll be like, well, of course, we've just taken it off you. Well, uh, Done what we wanted with this it. Is, this is why gated communities exist. Because the, wealth <laughs> the wealthier you get, like the more um, nervous you get that somebody's going to come and take that off you. And the more, you more, the more, isol you that more isolated you, you make yourself. Yeah. Like, and it's not like I, I'm, I'm, I'm hugely wealthy. But maybe compared compared to you, like I am, and but I don't think this is totally a reason why I'm completely completely isolated. But I I want to talk a little bit about the project that I'm doing tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. So we're doing two radio shows as part of Glasgow Open House Festival this weekend and next weekend, and then also this weekend and next weekend. We're each putting on an event in independently. So Oliver's event's next Sunday in the East End. My event's tomorrow in this flat. And I guess what I'm doing is, is, is kind of exposing some of these anxieties I have about living on my own and how they are... There's a, there's a massive paradox, really, in somebody who supposedly cares about the environment and is driven by an ethics that's informed by um, environmentalism that lives on their own in a completely unsustainable <laughs> way um, and that actually you know it makes sense to share resources to share to, to live communally and and so um, tomorrow I'm doing an event called the transition community of one so there's a whole movement of transition towns around the country. It started in Totnes. Um, of course it did. Of course it did. First, the first uh, transition town. And it's basically transitioning to a low-carbon lifestyle. So finding ways to live in a more sustainable way. And of course that means pooling resources or... Or, or or sharing things, cooking together, living together, mm. all of these sorts of things. So 
I like the idea of having like a c- complete contradiction in terms, I suppose, to be living in a sustainable way, but living on my own <laughs> and trying to make <laughs> this utopian paradise. Just for you. Just for me. <laughs> <laughs> and so tomorrow what I'm actually just doing is screening like three, I guess, classic anti-capitalist films. And they're films that I have acquired (laughs) (laughs) from the internet Um, the sort of films that I really 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 want to watch but I've just had nobody to watch them with because I never sit down and watch a film like as I said to you this flat and the the way that I changed this flat around in the last year was to completely turn it into a working environment like I've just got basically got two big desks oh. like all the fun the, the slight <laughs> modicum of fun that was here when Oliver lived here has been no but it's the perfect yin yang balance isn't it because when you come to my house it's like uh, well Ashley said recently it's like a knickknack shop <laughs> so there's like a there's a lot of uh, character. There is, and wha- I think I think next week's show is going to have quite a different flavour <laughs> to it, just because we'll be in that different environment. Yeah, pie house. But tomorrow, if you want to come along and see this place with your own eyes, it is well worth seeing. Um, I guess that's part of it, like an anxiety. Like the more you live on your own, the more nervous you get about people coming round as well. Like mm. I guess because everything that's in here they're gonna judge you know is you've you've created mm. or is the result of you 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 living here so it, it's a well yeah that's true you. you've got no one else to pass that off on have you nobody to blame so tomorrow the screening start at four and i'm screening the corporation which is a classic i've never seen it of course never seen any of these <laughs> um 2003 then at uh, 6.30, it's Who Killed the Electric Car. It's another classic oh, about okay. how, the, how the oil um, oil industry like conspired to put an end. It's interesting. You know, I, I, I don't know if hemp is included in that, but I, I, I want a book I was reading said that like they, they worked out how to use hemp to um, fuel cars, and then that's one of the reasons that cannabis became illegal in the kind of 1913 or 1915, whenever it was, because yeah. the oil companies were worried about its... Um, possibilities. Well, you should come and watch the film. I'll be there. Oh, cool! And then tomorrow at eight thirty, it's Inside Job, which is apparently about like the the cr- the, the the most current um, economic crisis and how the banks fucked ev- fucked everything up. And is that a classic too? Apparently, they're all anti-capitalist <laughs> classics. I've seen any of them, so and I I, I hope the the files work as well because I've not watched them, so oh. not tested it. But that's my promo over. Um, okay, well, Ellie, I think we should have one more song yeah. before we go into our last segment of discussion. Yeah. Our hard-hitting section of discussion, whatever that will be about. Um, should we have another Oliver Braid song? I think we should. Okay, this is another song that I was listening to like when I was in France and after I'd moved out. It's called SmileDog.jpg and it's by Kitty Pride. Cool. Hey, be careful with that. No. <laughs> it's me. Uh. <laughs> 
sister in my closet Fought the one under my bed And in the middle of the battle I said Don't tell my dad or I'll probably get mad And I'll stop paying for all the Adderall And I don't want that I don't want to get fat at all Alone with the Admiral, the Bruiser Brigade It's been a really, really messed up week, month, day And I just rack up the hate It comes as fast as the plate counts And I'm just gonna chill on the playground While you spend your whole day down In the depths of the net When the bad it upsets you Watching you say this little white girl is ruining hip hop. I say damn right and take a lick of the ring pop and smile. Moving near the tip top and I got you mad, but you're watching. You say this white girl is ruining hip hop. I say damn right and take a lick of the ring pop and smile. I am the kitten caboodle and now I'm all over Google and I am very YouTubeable with the beautiful loop beats and hideous cuticles. time that I've done a intro after a song in this uh, new incarnation of the Ellie and Oliver show, Ellie and Oliver's Long Distance Relationship. Uh, we haven't really, well, we have talked about our particular long distance relationship. One of the things I was thinking about when you used to say you'd go swimming and you'd be thinking about me as um, dusting, dusting, can you remember yeah, this idea of, of the, 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 the thing? And um, yeah, I think, like, I guess one of the disadvantages, in a way, of having a more long-distance relationship is that you don't have a very real version of what that person is. You have this really kind of strange sort of idealised version. Um, you know, you can project anything onto that person. And, mm. and also, you sort of... Maybe your brain works in a way that it sort of cherry-picks certain attributes of a person. Because obviously, your brain can't contain every bit of information about every single person. So I guess it files them all away, like an Ellie Harrison type <laughs> of character <laughs> under certain types of characteristics. And then I guess the longer time you spend apart from th that person, I, d I wonder whether it makes those perceived characteristics grow stronger or 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 or, or you become like th that person becomes fuzzier i think it can i mean it 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 can totally work either way i think i mean i've had some very long distance relationships mm. and 
I what the experience I mean I I've tried to you know I've tried to avoid them <laughs> since that because of this because of the way that you do make somebody into a fantasy because they're not there you make them into this amazing thing mm. but they're not that's what that's the ca- that's the case that I've had. I mean, that's something actually, uh, Susan Sontag. Because I, f- I feel we haven't dropped any names oh in, which is unusual for an Ellie and Oliver show. Susan Sontag, she's always a good person to drop in a bit nuts towards the end. But she does say like, well, she's talking particularly about unrequited interest. But she talks, uh, she's quoting from someone else actually. But she says like about it as it manifests itself as the idea of perfect behaviour. Yeah. Like when something can't be accessed, everything that that thing does seems like it's like um Stendhal, this kind of crystallized branch. Yeah. Things become like um but kind of yeah, more uh perfect seeming or but there's so I think there is something really positive about the possibility of the long distance relationship. I I mean, I found when I tried to analyze the effect it had on my emotions, I found that it, it was always you were always disappointed when confronted with reality. That was when it was a a love, you know, that it was a it was an, an emotional like relationship. Like with us, I think what you've done is almost the opposite. Is rather than make me into this ideal form this perfect individual you've kind of made me into this sort of evil mastermind but, but surely actually if if i'd made you into an evil mastermind then i would have made you still into an ideal form right because you'd exist as the ideal of an evil man or you know you'd exist in whatever my conception of it is as like an evil mastermind i think instead what i've done is rather than kind of constructing either Although, yes, I would say that there was some point in which I, you know, I was annoyed with you, was angry with you. And, uh, and, uh, but I feel like, I feel beyond that now. I feel like I've, I have less of a sort of idea about you, like whether you're, like, I don't think I've got you in either of the ideal camps because I see you so much less. And when I hear from you, I guess, like, we're just having a conversation. I just have those. What's the the worst way to, p- I guess, put someone in an ideal state is to, like, not have that much communication with them, but to think about them all the time as if you're having communication with them. Yeah. But that's, I mean, I feel like that maybe that's what you do to me because you're not communicating with me at all. And then you might be, like, imagining and, like, talking to me in my head or having this thing. But if I'm not feeling that, then if I don't see that, like, you know you don't have a mobile phone at the moment, which <laughs> makes things very... I'm a post-phone di- artist. I'm a post-Facebook <laughs> artist. I've left Facebook. He's left... Uh, he's not got a phone, so we pretty much don't communicate at all. And... As I said to you before the show, like relationships are two-way things and having a phone or being able to communicate is not just for your benefit, it's for the benefit of your friends who might need you. But if I don't have a phone now, then we might as well say that I never had a phone. So let's just imagine that I never had a phone. And that's just a way that we have to deal with me, right? I'm Oliver and I don't have a phone. 
as part of reality. And there are things that I miss out on as a consequence of not having a phone. Like, people can't get in touch with me, and then I miss out on going to certain things, or I get a message and say, like, oh, why weren't you at this? Or, you know, get a phone in capital letters from various people. Um, so, not me, you know, am I? Uh, no, not from Ellie. Other, I mean, lots of people are really... It's insane how many people can't deal with the fact that I haven't got a phone. Because you're breaking our hearts, Oliver. <laughs> I mean... It's it's I'm it's becoming sad. I'm forming a long distance relationship with ev- everyone. I know. No, that's not true, but something did happen to me in France where I became really insular. And but also because I hadn't read intensely for so such a long time. I sort of did come back to this phase of like when I was a child, my mom would go shopping like normally on Friday nights, Saturdays and Sundays, we'd go to a shopping centre and buy lots of clothes because we were aspirational. Um, But before my mum would start looking around Wallace and Marks and Spencers, she would buy me a book because she'd know that that was the best. You know, I'd just read that book then and just be a little object. Yeah. Or actually a subject because at at some point we should talk about the confusion between those two things. Maybe next week. Um, and and so, like, I suppose I'm back in that quite womb-like state at the mm. moment, where now, it's amazing how now, when I'm at work, especially recently, instead of going home and thinking, oh, I can't wait to go out, or I can't wait to go home and smoke a split or something like that, I'm just thinking, like, oh, I can just go home, sit on my sofa and read. And because my internet doesn't work in the lounge either, once I'm in that lounge with a book, there is nothing that can disturb me. Yeah. And that's a really amazing situation to be in. Well, I know that feeling, and I have that here because I just have a mobile phone. I don't have the landline anymore. Like, I don't even have the boiler switched on anymore. I try to live in such <laughs> a... <laughs> don't have a TV, like, cut back on all my expenses. Um, so if I turn my phone off, that's that. And that is a really liberating feeling. But then I guess you've got to think... There might be somebody out there who needs you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's to be continued. I don't know. Well, th- yeah. I'm trying to give a lot this year. But I'm also trying to be a bit more, like, better at self-preservation. I'm trying to help when I can in lots of different ways. Um, with lots of different other people's projects. Like, basically, this year, I'm not doing any Oliver Braid projects. I'm just doing projects with or for other people just taking a year off reading yeah. helping out having a sort of long distance relationship with my own work as much as with everyone else are you because i mean oliver we're coming we're coming up to time now and i'm looking at you i'm i'm looking into your eyes <laughs> and i feel like this has only been an hour we've been chatting for an hour and i'm aware i'm aware that this is probably the longest, definitely the most engaged conversation that we have had in over a year. I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, I really want to try to make our friendship better. Like, I feel like these shows, I I, I feel really sad about what's happened between us. I don't think we're going to come up with how we're going to do that in the next minute before the show ends, but... We well, the, I mean, the paradox of all relationships, right, is the more that you try at any relationship, the more you actually push it apart. I don't think that's true, actually. I mean, I think, I think, I think a relationship shouldn't have to be tried at. 
I know that people who are making a quick buck off being marriage counsellors might not be very happy with me saying that. But I, I would just, I, I would just um, flag up something that Neil, who's probably one of the two people who are listening, <laughs> say, thanks, Neil. Thanks, <laughs> Neil. You. Um, is that unless you have some sort of shared interests or you make time to do something with somebody... Uh, that's obviously not a sexual relationship because that would probably be the sex mm. but like the that you will drift apart but i think i think we need to continue these discussions next week okay in the east in the east when we go to the east Whoa. to the orient on the orient express <laughs> right okay <laughs> Good weird note to end on. Um, Ellie, would you like to say goodbye or anything? I guess I'd just like to apologise for my bad music taste. No. Well, I'd like to say I appreciate you because everyone who's ever listened to an Ellie and Oliver show before will know that you've got quite a funny relationship with music. Well, why would you listen to music when you could sit in absolute silence? Exactly. Feel sorry for yourself. <laughs> um, so I am going to play another Pet Shop Boys classic, Apologies. It's called That's West not the title of the song. <laughs> no, there is there one called Apologies? No, probably. <laughs> There's an Eli- is there an Ellie and Oliver show called Apologies? No. Next time. Next time. Um, it's called West End Girls, and that's obviously... What Short Legs <laughs> has been inspired by and those brilliant jingles she's put together at very short notice. Um, and it does, you know, this, this song does mean quite a lot to me because I'm a West End girl. I grew up in the West End of London in Ealing and now I live in the West End of Glasgow. So it's something that's always been there. And we'll talk about that more next week. So I'm looking forward to it. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. You too.
Long distance relation.